This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Yo, this is Flip Gordon. CVV Chris Van Fleet. This is Liam O'Rourke, author of Crazy Like a Fox. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Welcome to a brand new era of Top Rope Nation. It's episode 129. More on that in just a minute. My name's Ryan Drasty. If you're tuning in for the very first time, I cover professional wrestling for comicbook.com, CBS Interactive. And I am joined here by my usual two hosts, co-hosts, I should say. Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. We are a weekly pro wrestling podcast. We've been doing this since the summer of 2016. And starting with this week's show, we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Kyle Ross, how are you doing tonight, bud? Hi, my name is Kyle Ross, and I don't know how to work a computer despite being 39 <laughs> years old. <laughs> Off air, we've been having a little bit of technical problems. We're ready to go, ready to go. Skype's been acting up a little bit tonight, as it does. Once in a while. Uh, Justin Joint, how's it going across town for me there? I'm doing damn good. I actually cracked open a, an actual non-Coors Light beer for this uh, special episode. Ooh, dipping into the expensive stuff tonight, are we? Mm, it's just not Coors Light. <laughs> what is it? Founders All Day IPA. Oh, that's, that's pretty solid. That's a pretty solid beverage, guys. We, uh, As we record, we like to indulge in a, a good adult beverage as we discuss the great sport of professional wrestling and sometimes we discuss what is in the uh what's in the glass as we get ready to go yeah. uh i have poured myself a single speed brewing ipa tonight a, a local favorite here in iowa kyle what's in the glass tonight for you well johnny walker so i'll beat my usual time of 45 minutes into the show when i start rambling incoherently <laughs> guys if you're tuning in for the very first time We'd love it if you would hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to podcasts. We're available pretty much everywhere. Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, TopRopeNation.com, Podbean. Wherever podcasts are found, uh, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's YouTube.com slash TopRopeNation, where once in a while you will find some exclusive video footage as well. And the best way to support the show, check out all the details over at patreon.com slash Nation. Those are the people that are out there. They're funding the show. They're helping us grow. They're helping us make moves like we did tonight, which we were going to talk about here in just a minute. And you also get some bonus content over at Patreon, including a free gift. So check it out. 
patreon.com slash top rope nation uh justin kyle i don't want to waste any time i think we should get right to our news segment and see what we got to talk about this week all the latest wrestling news get behind the scenes inside a info So in the news, what we let off with, it's a new era for Top Rope Nation. Uh, The ink is dried on the contract, and all three of us have signed to produce this show moving forward with the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. We're super excited about this move. Uh, it's going to let us reach a whole lot of new people, new listeners, wrestling fans, sports fans. Uh, we've been looking for an opportunity like this for quite a while. We've talked about it on the podcast before. We've got a great, dedicated group of listeners that have been tuning into this broadcast going back to 2016. But we're competitive guys, you know, we want to grow the show, reach new people, and what better way than to partner with a outfit like Blue Wire that has great reach, they got great vision, uh, this network's been around now for over a year, they've been signing podcasts left and right that they believe in, that they think can help grow. It's a sports podcasting platform, it brings together the next generation of journalists, fans, commentators, former pro athletes. There's a lot of people involved with the podcasting network. And so we're really excited to be joining such a talented crew of podcasts. Basically, Blue Wire has a next-gen approach to an old problem. All right. So what they do is they create, they aggregate sports podcasts for young fans who've been underserved from local radio and national podcasting. That relates to the NFL. That relates to the NBA. And that certainly relates to professional wrestling. So they believe in what Top Rope Nation has been doing over the last three and a half years, and they're giving us a chance to reach new listeners. We're super excited about it. We're very thankful that Blue Wire has decided to give Top Rope Nation this opportunity to grow our brand and to help grow Blue Wire and take this company to the next level. We're very excited about the future and what that holds for both of us. So we've been talking to some of the guys over at Blue Wire. They've been really great to work with so far. Uh, Kyle, your initial impressions of our new partners. I was so excited, I signed in my own blood. <laughs> Unfortunately, the guys at Blue Wire think I'm a real weirdo now, but that's okay. <laughs> he took the razor blade, cut himself open. Signed no way. Blood. Hard way. Oh, yeah. I just started... <laughs> Skype actually just made me so upset, I just started pounding my head into my desk until I drew color. <laughs> Justin Joint, you were on the call last night when we finalized everything. Pretty excited about this moving forward? Absolutely. I was just relieved nobody got... Uh you know, put through a table during that contract signing. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, You know, guys, this isn't going to change anything for you if you've been listening to us in the past. Uh, Your subscriptions should stay current. So if you've already been subscribed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, everything should be coming in. If it's not, let me know because then there's a technical problem. But you should have been alerted for this show just like you always have been in the past um, like I said, basically, it's just another tool for us to reach new listeners, to do some cross-promotion with some of the great partners they have in the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. So we're not the only wrestling podcast on the Blue Wire Network. We've got our friend Chris Van Vliet over there. He's been on Top Rope Nation in the past. You guys probably all know Chris Van Vliet from his popular uh, YouTube channel. He does a lot of wrestling interviews. He also puts out the podcast that's carried by Blue Wire. And we got a couple other shows there as well that we're hoping to do some cross-promotion with in the future. 
helping us reach some new listeners. Always a good thing. And we're really looking, guys, to kick this new partnership off with a bang. And we've been reaching out. And we have some guests lined up to join us in the coming weeks. Looking forward to it. Um, Next week, first of all, I don't think I've even talked to you guys about this one. Just to join the panel on next week's show to talk about AEW Revolution and the weekend that it was, because I'm going to be meeting up with him this weekend in Chicago, uh, Zach Haydorn from Pro Wrestling Torch. He hosts a podcast for the VIP section. He will be joining Top Rope Nation next week. And in the weeks ahead, um, it's not completely finalized yet, but pretty darn close. It looks like uh, we are going to have at least one WWE Hall of Famer joining us on the line in the coming weeks. Uh, We're going to have another person joining us on the line who has held gold in WWE as well. So we're looking forward to those interviews. We think it'll get the show out to a lot of listeners that have never tuned in and are going to be discovering Top Rope Nation for the first time. And I'm pretty confident in saying after they discover Top Rope Nation, they're not going to want to leave. This is one of the best wrestling podcasts on the internet. I'm confident that this Blue Wire Network partnership is going to be great for us moving forward. And I'm very excited, very thankful for the opportunity. And uh, we'll see where things go from here. Any, Any other comments, guys, on the partnership with Blue Wire? We are the most addictive thing besides cocaine. <laughs> so I've been told. So I've yeah. been told. So with that being said, uh, I think that was just going to be kind of our main topic for In the News this week. Anything else going on in the wrestling world that you guys have seen tonight before we transition to our main topic of the week? I'm going to hold off my Bill Goldberg takes till next week. Okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> the the Bergie bro. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we thought about talking about that on the show, but you know, the problem was with the timing and when we're recording this, we're recording the show on Wednesday nights. So we got Super Showdown tomorrow, so pretty quickly, based on what happens on that show, our takes are going to be old. So we'll talk yeah. mostly WWE next week, most likely, but this is going to be a really AEW-centric show. Yeah, and to be honest, it's probably better to give the takes when the result is in, rather than give them in a hypothetical sense. Yeah, absolutely. Because I don't think the takes will change, actually, no matter what the result is. Yeah, I, I yeah, I would agree. Probably the same thing. They're, they're, I mean, they're conceptual in nature. Regardless, it's just a question of whether or not they do the title change or not. Yeah. So we will know when within, I guess, as we record this, what uh, less than twenty four hours. So we'll have a lot. I think we'll have a lot to talk about. On next week's show, so make sure you guys tune back in. But as far as this week goes, we're talking AEW Revolution. That's our topic of the week. We're going to be previewing the show. But before we get to that, let's go to a word from one of our sponsors. March has arrived. We're only weeks away from the big tournament. You guys know what I'm talking about. That's March Madness, the NCAA Tournament. Make sure to head to our friends over at Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right. I said a $100,000 in March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get on the action. And with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. 
visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, AEW Revolution, Saturday night, Chicago, Illinois, the Trust Arena. Guys, the first time AEW has not run the Sears Center. This is the, mm. what is this, the third show AEW has held in the Chicago market since they started less than a year ago now. So uh, it sold out really quickly. They clearly haven't oversaturated the market. This was a hot ticket. The show sold out really, really quickly. Uh, I will be heading there with two of my buddies, longtime Top Rope Nation listeners, and uh, they're going to be sitting amongst the fans. I will be sitting in the media section, which means I have no idea where I'm going to be sitting at the show. But uh, I will be covering the show for comicbook.com as it is ongoing uh, after the show. I'll be heading out to the media scrum they always do after their pay-per-view events, hopefully getting in some questions to the talent, to Tony Khan. Hopefully I can play some of that audio for you guys next week on the podcast and talk about that experience. But tonight, we're talking about the show itself, the matches. We're previewing the matches. We are picking our winners. And guys, just uh, right off the top, what's your excitement level heading into AEW Revolution uh, versus the previous, what is it, three pay-per-views they've had so far? Like, how would, you, how would you rank this? Are you pretty excited for it? Is it just kind of blah for you? Justin, how do you feel? Um, I would say it's on par with all of their other shows. Um, for me, it's the uh, the tag championship is what's really carrying this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Kyle? It's pretty high. It's definitely higher than full gear. Uh, I think, pardon the pun, the last four weeks of television have been dynamite. <laughs> they have. From this promotion. I mean, yes. it, it, I mean it really, <laughs> you know, there was a talk, and you can check our archives if this is the first time you've listened to us. We weren't alone in this assessment. As 2019 was winding down, there were a lot of questions about AEW, the direction, you know, who was calling the shots. It seemed like a promotion where there were a lot of different ideas going in different directions. But man, since they flipped the calendar to 2020, there's been a real focus. The promotion's been strong uh, ever since that episode on the Jericho Cruise. And uh, a lot of credit for what I'm hearing goes to Tony Khan himself. That he's kind of, you know, taking the leadership role. And yeah, the show has been great. And the top three matches um, are all very intriguing. It's funny because unlike a WWE card where, you know, a large swath of the matches, they all kind of feel same in in terms of their level of importance. This is a top heavy card, I would say. But man, has the top been well built too. Mm -hmm. Kyle, I'm glad you talked about how. You know, just just a few weeks ago, we were being kind of critical of of the content as 2019 came to a close. Because what do we like to say on this show, Kyle, about our takes? We're objective. Absolutely. I think I think we're really fair. Whether it's WWE, New Japan, AEW, you know, we're pretty even handed with our criticisms and our praise in the product. And definitely, AEW hit a lull there for a while. But I would have to say, myself as a wrestling fan. 
there's no show I'm looking forward to more right now than AEW Dynamite each and every week. Like you said, they they have been on a hot streak of late. It's fresh. It's exciting. Uh, so much more so than anything WWE is producing at the moment. We're on the road including to Including NXT. Including NXT. That was my next point. You know, tonight I exclusively watched AEW Dynamite. I didn't even flip the channel once to NXT. I'll still watch it here in the next couple of days. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't know about you guys. I didn't even feel the urge to, to switch to NXT tonight. Justin, did you watch any NXT tonight? Uh, I did. I didn't actually get to the uh the shows until an hour in um but having read some of the nxt spoilers i did jump in to watch two things and, and then i went back to uh aw so predominantly aw though oh yeah yeah definitely yeah, yeah. so how, how have you felt about the product i mean kyle who's full of praise for aw in recent weeks you feel much the same way absolutely i mean i, I think you guys you know nailed it it's just They've really hit their stride, and uh, it's it's kind of a nice scene. They're, they seem to be doing a lot more fresh matchups, especially when you look at this card where, you know, Kyle pointed out it's top-heavy, but, you know, basically the whole bottom card is stuff we've never seen before. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the improvements they've made that I did want to mention before we get to these, to these matches, because it's something we've been critical of in the past, and, in fact, we were texting about it tonight. Um the announcing. We've been pretty critical of Jim Ross up and down with AW. You know, he adds that voice that all wrestling fans know. Um, but sometimes he hasn't been at the top of his game. I think he's improved uh, since he initially came to AEW. But I think adding Taz to the mix has been has been a great benefit for AEW. What do you guys think of the addition of Taz? I didn't okay. really get... Yeah, it, same for me. Just okay. I haven't heard enough of him to... To really make an assessment on it yeah. with the whole tony versus jr dynamic it's funny you brought up announcing i didn't even know we were going to go here <laughs> it is so refreshing to watch tony shivani at this stage of his career as a guy who's just having fun that segment he did with best friends in orange cassidy was great um a lot of it was done during the commercial break but still you could just you know the kind of the funness of it kind of came through the tv even though you couldn't get the audio Whereas Jim Ross sometimes, man, when he doesn't like something, he he is just counterproductive to the product. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard it with like Chris Statlander last week when he he's like, Excalibur, explain this alien gimmick to me. And look, it, it's I'm not going to like say it's like an awesome gimmick, but like Excalibur tries getting it over and Jared's like, all right, I guess we've heard enough of that. Mm-hmm. And he did it again during the women's match tonight, too. And sometimes he'll, like, make fun of moves names. It's just like, you know, I don't know. I just think, you know, for two guys who are kind of at similar stages of their career, it is so refreshing to see Tony Schiavone having fun um, and really embracing this opportunity where, you know, I think JR sometimes um, hurts the product, quite frankly. Yeah, I feel like Tony hasn't missed a beat when I watch him. You know, he's to me, he's just as good as he was in his heyday with WCW. And... uh and people that have been following him in recent years kind of knew that. You know, he's been really good with MLW in the past as well. Uh, and, and, of course, he's been broadcasting, you know, doing radio and stuff mm-hmm. since the closure of WCW. But, uh, yeah, I think I think announcing for AEW has kind of – it's turned into a strength. Sometimes the, the booth is a little crowded. 
Um, but overall, I mean, they got recognizable names. If, if people are tuning into the show that have never seen it, the brand new wrestling company, I mean, to have people in the booth that they do recognize, you know, for all his faults, JR is a super recognizable voice in pro wrestling. And so that's mm. that's only going to help with reaching new viewers, I think, at least initially. Now, long term, as, as you tune in week to week to week, there could be some negatives with that, as you alluded to, Kyle. But overall, uh, to have Tony Schiavone, to have Taz, to have Jim Ross, you know, I think that is uh, that's a, that's a benefit for this company. I, I think they did do a great job collectively as a team during the Iron Man match, getting over the notion, hey, you know, Kenny's been working in tag teams. He's got this big match coming up Saturday where Pac, all of his attention is on this match. Mm-hmm. You know, little stuff like that, um, you don't always get in the WWE. Mm-hmm. So that's good. But yeah, uh, I, I think collectively they're okay. I think just Jim Ross has his moments when maybe he doesn't like something that he can be a detriment. Yeah, my my one complaint would be really not enough pop culture and hip hop references from the commentators <laughs> in AEW. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think, by the way? I, I wasn't gonna like recap Dynamite or anything, but it ties in with Revolution because Re- you know you have Dynamite three days before Revolution. What did you guys think of that Iron Man match opening the show tonight? Just around the horn, uh, Justin. How impressed were you with that match? I, I if that is not my my favorite AEW match. It's in my top three. Yeah. I thought I thought it was phenomenal. Those guys really got after it. Kyle, I don't think I liked it as much as a lot of people, but I don't like Iron Man matches generally. And I think some of the reasons that I don't like Iron Man matches kind of reappeared here. It was a very it was a good match. I, I do not think it was a great match. I'd agree with that take. I'm not a huge fan of Iron Man matches either. Uh, specifically the 60 minute ones. 30 minutes are you know a little more bearable. Um, I do think this was really good. I liked it a lot, but it was, jeez, man, Kenny Omega took some crazy falls in this match for a guy that's wrestling this big pay per view match in three days. I mean, this guy. He was as was it me or was he as over as he's been on TV at any point tonight? Yeah, he, he's really. Maybe it was just because he came out. To open the show, it was the first match of the show, but he was really over tonight, which is you know a good sign moving forward. Obviously, hey, yeah. I, I want to know what, what's the Iron Man tropes that bothered you about this match? Okay, so it's funny that Ryan just mentioned you know the sixty versus thirty, you know a thirty minute Iron Man match. Uh, and you know, by the way, folks can go back and listen to our critiques of NXT from last week. I just think a 30-minute Iron Man match doesn't really work in the modern set um, times unless if the two guys work it completely different than a normal match where they're, like, constantly going for falls. Mm-hmm. Like, they basically just did a normal match, and they could have done a 30-minute draw and then the sudden death thing. It didn't need to really be an Iron Man match. And they did the intentional DQ bit, you know, so Pac could get, you know, the fall. Uh, But overall, I just think that they worked it just like a normal style match, not like an Iron Man match. I I think if you want good, like examples of Iron Man matches that I like a lot um, of the 30 minute variety, I would certainly point to Rick Rude and Ricky Steamboat at 92 Beach Blast. 
Um, that's a match where they went for falls. They worked it differently than they would have had it been a normal match. And the same thing goes for what is my favorite 60-minute Iron Man match, Triple H against The Rock, Judgment Day 2000. Again, they changed up kind of the way they work for the stipulation. I think in this case, they basically just worked a normal Kenny Omega-Pac match, which is was quite good, but, I, I, you know, they could have skipped the Pac DQ, gets a pin, and they just could have done a traditional 30-minute match, I think. I, I was not prepared for Kyle Ross to praise a hour-long Triple H match on this podcast. <laughs> I don't, I'm at a loss. Yeah. yeah, I think that was the best rock match of all time. Wow, that is pretty damn high praise. I don't I don't know if I would agree with that one, but <laughs> I mean it's up there. It's definitely up there. I would agree. It is up there. I, I, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I just think if you're if the point is to get as many falls as possible, you need to kind of like vary up your work. Mm-hmm. And there should just be like you should just be going for a lot of falls. Yeah. Um and that whole spot, um, we've seen it before in Iron Man matches. Triple H, as a matter of fact, did it in that 60-minute Iron Man match when he took the intentional DQ and he got two falls out of it, which made that spot get even over more when right. he did it, as opposed to, you know, Pac getting just the one. It's like, well, the spot gets, it's like, all right, well, he squared it away, but what's the point? It was 0-0 before. Just a minor quibble, I guess. Maybe I'm being a nitpicking Nancy. I just thought... um yeah, I don't know. Overall, I, I just... It, and, you know, the most famous Iron Man match they were talking about, Brett and Sean, I thought had its issues as well. Hmm. So. Well, it's interesting. In general, never, been, ne- never been as big a fan as Iron Man matches as, as some other people. It's, it's interesting we're talking about this because we are often critical on the show of, of matches that get too long and drawn out. And, Kyle, you mentioned a second ago... Kenny, you know, kind of hitting his peak in AEW so far because he just gave an interview this week where he talked about people and how they've been critical of him for not wrestling those long, drawn-out matches like he did in, in New Japan. Uh, I wanted to uh, read the quote from him here. He said, because I, t- because I decided to take a different path in my career because I'm not doing these long, drawn-out 45-minute to one-hour matches in singles competition, it doesn't mean that I'm not the same guy. And it's it's kind of odd when you look at it, but it, it is this kind of this tag team storyline with with Hangman and featuring him in a role that we're not used to that has kind of gotten him to move back up the card a little bit and pique people's interest in him once again. Because for a while, it definitely seemed, and we we said it on the show that here's this guy who was like the focal point, the big signing when the company started that they got Kenny Omega. He had been considering WWE. And we talked in the past about how like he wasn't really a focal point in the company and what to make of that. But you, you do see him kind of gradually crawling back up there into the upper echelon of AEW again. And he is like the part on the card now that I'm, I'm looking forward to. And like both of you said, this tag team match at Revolution, this is the match of the show for me too. Uh, I thought the, the sit-down interview tonight on Dynamite with... Uh, with Kenny and, and Adam Page kind of having that rift between them with yeah. Page, you know, that was that was great stuff. Yeah, Page is doing really great character work right now. Um, you know, the whole thing with where Omega is on the pecking order, I don't think it's really a big deal unless if you're taking your cues from Meltzer, who for a while was, you know, almost apoplectic that 
they they meaning the promotion kind of slotted Cody into the top baby face role instead of Kenny. But, you know, looking at what Cody's done, I, I don't think it's a problem at all. Yeah. Agreed. You know, that, that code that, co- that, you know, if, if you're some like, you know, if you're someone, I just, I don't think it, I, I don't think any anger would be justified or, or second guessing would be justified about, you know, Cody being the quote unquote top baby face over Kenny in the promotion. Yeah. So why don't we just hit these matches, give her predictions, uh, anything else that we have to say about each match as we go, we'll, we'll come back to the tag match here in just a few minutes, but, uh, let's start right at the top of the match that they made official on dynamite this week. So right after the, uh, 30 minute Ironman match that opened the show, we had that confrontation, with Pack and Orange Cassidy, and they announced the match a little bit later in the show. So this is going to be Orange Cassidy's uh, AEW debut in in-ring competition. He's been uh, accompanying the best friends to the ring now for a few months, but uh, this is the first time he's had an official match with the with the company. How excited are you guys to see Orange Cassidy in action? Justin, have you ever seen this guy wrestle before? I have not, so I'm very excited to see uh, how he works in the ring. Mm-hmm. Kyle, what do you make of this one? Kind of an interesting matchup to make. Um, I guess it's just an opportunity for Cassidy to do his shtick on kind of a large stage and pack presumably to get his momentum back after losing the Ironman match tonight. Yeah. Um, I I would assume pack is going to win. Um, and that's doesn't hurt Orange Cassidy. I know Orange Cassidy is a mid-card act. And um, so, yeah, I just assume Pac's going to win. And I don't know. It's kind of an interesting matchup to make. I don't know if it needed to be made, but um, we shall see how entertaining it is. A mid-card act that's incredibly popular, though. If you look yeah, at the, the merchandise. That's Pac really true. Pack really needs the win because if he would lose against Orange Cassidy, he'd bet 5-5-1 five, five, and one for his overall record <laughs> in AEW. And, you know, that's, that's 50-50 booking. That's what everybody uh, – <laughs> Was complaining they about need, WWE. They need to get rid of showing the records. I think because nobody has like this impressive record. You know, everyone just kind of got this. What I think to a casual fan would be a middling record. You know, I know that was like this big selling point. We're going to keep track of wins and losses. I don't really know if it's a value add. And by the way, Ryan, to your point, you can be over like Orange Cassidy is. I enjoy the shtick, but doesn't mean he needs to be at the top of the card. No, no, no. I wasn't saying that. But okay, yeah, he's you definitely know, like, super I, popular. Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. I guess that was just sort of more of a commentary on pro wrestling in 2020. You know, yeah. anytime someone gets this popularity, oh, need to put them at the top of the cart. No, you don't. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, you don't. Not right now. I'm not saying that Everyone, there's no chance it's going to happen. Believe, but. yeah, believe it or not, there used to be a time in wrestling when like most acts on a show were over. <laughs> so yeah. you know. The, the fact that he's really over is good, yeah. but it doesn't mean he should be a main event guy. Yeah. And again, the thing with Tony Schiavone was absolutely outstanding tonight. With Tony giving the thumbs up and getting the hug. Mm-hmm. That was a hoot. I enjoyed that. I, I think this is a good guy to put Orange Cassidy in the ring with for his first match, though. I mean, because, you know, you know Pac's going to be flying all over the place. It'll be an entertaining match. But, yeah, I, I agree with both of you. Pac has to get the win. Um, another match that they announced tonight, this is a tag team match, uh, Dark Order taking on SCU. So, 
you have in the show notes here, Kyle, who is the exalted one? So there was that rumor for, for weeks and weeks and weeks it was going to be uh, Marty Skrull. Turned out, obviously, to not be the case. By the way, we yeah. haven't even talked about that I think, on the I show. Think, I think Meltzer got some bad info on that one because there <laughs> were some people out there that were denying that was ever was going to be the case left and right. Were you guys shocked, though, that Marty Skrull – we never even talked about this on the show – that Marty Skrull did not join AEW? I mean, how surprised were you? Because I – I was shocked. These are his friends. You know, this this company is so much bigger than Ring of Honor and NWA. I I was really taken aback that he didn't join AEW. Were you, Kyle? No, because there were people on Twitter saying it wasn't going to happen. People who I trust. So, um, I guess I will, like I get what you're saying. It's logical, but at the same time, he can always go there, and he should just go when the time is right. And there's, you know, kind of a pecking order already set in AEW. And I think he can probably increase his bargaining power if he waits a little bit when, you know, maybe they need him down the line. When they've, you know, kind of burned through a lot of their matchups and they need somebody fresh at the Mm -hmm. top of the card. Um, So I wasn't like, you know, like throwing my hands up in the air saying, my God, Marty, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, I was. I'm not going to lie. I was. (laughs) I would love to see that on film. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what I get student, what you're saying. What were your students thinking during the homeroom? I can't believe that. What's he doing? Still have what homeroom? is he talking about back there? Uh, we have a yeah. version of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I, I just was really surprised. We talked about it. You know, when AEW started, he was locked in this Ring of Honor contract. Poor Marty Skrull. You know, his boys are doing this exciting thing on the side, and he's stuck with Ring of Honor, which is like used to be awesome but right now is is pretty far down the pegging order in the world of pro wrestling and so i don't know i i see what you're saying but for a guy who was on being the elite for years to not be an AEW i i don't know i'm sure he'll end up there at some point but justin you have any thoughts on that uh, i was bummed but I, I think he got the power and the money to keep him in ring of honor so you know more well power to him yeah so, anyways, the the Marty Skrull tangent here is is for me because I don't have a whole lot to say about this match. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I'm still not sold on the Dark Order yeah. being a viable act. You know, we talked about with Orange Cassidy. Well, at least he's over. You know, it doesn't mean he should be at the top of the card, but, you know, he's over. I, I'm not sure what to make of this Dark Order. They're really, really hinging this act on the Exalted One. Um, so they need to deliver. Uh, there was a very overt Matt Hardy reference uh, in that promo tonight. I do not expect that to be the case, so people should not get too excited about that. Um, You know, Lance Archer's coming in. Maybe he's a contender. They've kind of hit you over the head that it might be Christopher Daniels. And when they do that in modern wrestling, that's often to divert you from whatever the answer really is. So I don't know if we'll get that answer as to who the exalted one is. Um, on this show, it being a show that's second, a match that maybe is second from the bottom on a pay-per-view probably isn't the time to do it. You probably want to do it on TV. So not sure what we're going to get here. I, I assume the dark order is going to win and there will be dissension among the ranks in SCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Yeah. You, you keep building to the reveal and in order to do that, you keep the momentum going with the win. Yeah. Okay. So the AW women's division has definitely not been a strong point in my opinion so far. We had 
I think some kind of high expectations for it going in. Um, but then we had a whole lot of things, you know, like what happened with Kylie Ray, and then mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> then Britt Baker didn't really take off at first. Although I think Britt Baker as a heel has been really, really good. Yes. So yes. turn the corner on her. Um, here we have Nyla Rose, the champion, taking on Chris Statlander. And, uh, you know, we have, I don't think we really talked about this on the show, but all the people online complaining about Nyla Rose being the women's champion, you know, take a hike. <laughs> it's a worked title. I mean, I don't see how anyone takes offense to this, but what have you. Um, yeah, Val Venus's takes were bad. Yeah, real bad. Val Venus, is not, Val Venus is not the former WWE title holder that uh, will be p- appearing in the next couple weeks in Top Rope Nation. I'll say that. Truth be told, the big Val Boski's political takes in general aren't very good. <laughs> shocking. Absolutely shocking. Liber- I mean, I don't mean to offend anyone, but libertarian is just a fancy way to say you're lazy and don't care about other people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're new to the show, don't worry. All sides of the political spectrum will get it from us once in a while, but uh, that's a great take. Great. Take. Yeah. By the way, yeah, my wife uh, thought it was funny to hang some big Mike Bloomberg pamphlet on the refrigerator when I went down oh, to get my drink. No. And she heard from me on the way back up. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Justin, what do you make of this women's title match? Uh, you got a winner. Uh, I mean, you have to go Nyla Rose. It'd be kind of weird to play hot potato with the women's title this early. Um, and frankly, they've got to build some interest in, in one of these ladies. Cause you already said it's, it's the weakest part of the show. And for me, certainly the weakest. And, and I had low expectations going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, it's an awkward situation. Cause I would say on the surface, it's too early to change the title. Um, and they're not, they're probably not going to do it. I could see like a series of matches between these two. I do think Statlander is is much more interesting than Nyla Rose right now. Um, I think Baker and Statlander are probably the most interesting characters in the in the women's division right now. So if you want to transition to Baker getting involved, you put the title on Statlander eventually and have her feud with Britt Baker. But uh, for right now, yeah, I'd have to say you keep the title on Nyla Rose, Kyle. Yeah, that is an interesting point. If you think Britt Baker's a star of this division, and she probably is, uh, was not on TV tonight, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're going to have to transition to a baby face for her to beat, presumably. Yeah. Um, Justin made a good point with the hot potato thing. We just had a recent title change, so I can't see another one taking place here. Uh, assuming we're right in that regard, is there going to be any attempt to protect Statlander, who a lot of sharp people I follow on Twitter are high on? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's maybe something uh, to follow here. I was, you know, as far as the women's division goes, I th- and expectations, you know, there's a lot of unknowns in this division. They they didn't have that huge get, you know, when the promotion started. That 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 huge name um, was a little disappointed. Sakazaki didn't win tonight in that four way, mm-hmm. personally. So. So you're going Nyla Rose here too? Yes, yes, for sure. Yeah. You know the the bonus outcome of Nyla Rose winning is you keep all those mouth breathers on Twitter talking. <laughs> Open up another bag of Cheetos because it's going to be a while till Nyla Rose loses the title. <laughs> yeah. No. And, and I, by the way, there, there's nothing wrong with having 
come to think of it, just circling back, I know we should do these two women justice and not talk about other people. But, you know, going back to the Britt Baker point you made, Ryan, it's okay to actually have two heels over in a women's division. Yeah. <laughs> you know, believe it or not. Like, I, you know, that that's something that, you know, WWE gets in trouble where it's just basically, you know, whoever the champion is and just a bunch of other people is the division. So do we think Britt Baker gets involved in the finish of this match to protect Statlander? And they work that could for be a while way. to keep her away from Nyla Rose? That could be something, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you probably want to bring her out. I mean, if you don't have her get involved here, maybe you bring her out for a promo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's got to be there, you would think. This is a this is a company that only has pay per views once a quarter, and you know she's one of the more interesting women's <coughs> characters right now. I gotta I gotta imagine she's gonna be on the show. So we we By the way, Velveteen, Velveteen Dream uh, should totally bust out Britt Baker tights for the Adam Cole match. <laughs> that would be freaking awesome, Rick Rude style. Yeah, yeah, definitely do it. I don't know if they're gonna do it, but I'd laugh. I mean, they've put her on TV multiple times. Why not? <laughs> All right. So uh, here we go, Kyle. You're going to have some takes on this next one on our list. Darby Allen. I know you got a lot to say about him in recent weeks. Taking on Sammy Guevara. So uh, give it to me, Kyle. Give me those hot takes on Darby Allen. I don't really have any hot takes here. I think I have takes that are, I would hope, shared. Well, by yeah, be everyone in the internet wrestling community. I'm really looking forward to this match. I would argue these are the two biggest, quote-unquote, breakout performers since AEW began. I'd be interested to hear if you guys agree. Uh, Darby Allen has gotten big pops for coming out both last week and this week. Part of that, though, is they built to him showing up very well both times. You know, and, and remember when baby faces used to save other baby faces? And then, like, modern WWE decided that wasn't a good idea for some reason. And we would just, like, have the baby face get his ass kicked for, like, 20 minutes, it seemed. God <laughs> yeah. bless AEW for bringing back baby faces, helping out their fellow baby faces. Uh, Darby's done that with Moxley the last two weeks and um, has gotten quite a reaction both times. Uh, I wonder what Darby Allen's ceiling is, um, I guess, in the eyes of the AEW brain trust. He's a guy that, to me, if you want to put him over strong, is he maybe a future pay-per-view challenger for Chris Jericho? Or at least, a bit? you know, I know he's worked Jericho once on TV. I mean, maybe they could go back to that. I don't know. Um, and are you, like, I are love you giving away your pick for the championship match right there? I kind of was a little bit, I guess. But, um, you know, I'd also be remiss if I didn't talk about how, how much I love Sammy Guevara. That bump he took off the super kick in the Battle Royal last week, obviously, uh, was due every bit of praise it got. And I've seen a lot of people online kind of compare his role in the inner circle to that of uh, Sean Waltman in the NWO. I kind of like that comparison. And, um, yeah, I, I hope Sammy's not a guy who just loses all the time to set baby faces up for Jericho because I think he's better than that. Um, he lost tonight on TV, which was okay, but um, hmm. Darby going for revenge, and this is going to tip my hand, I guess, even further. I I don't see a lot of baby faces going home happy in the top matches, so I'm going to pick Darby here. 
in what should be a really good match. Justin, what do you think about his statement, Kyle's statement there on, on these two being the two breakout performers and then give us your pick. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say they're definitely in the top three, you know, along with MJF and uh, I think Jurassic Express are up there too. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I think, going from, I mean, basically nobody's, because I mean, I think MJF at least had a little bit of steam with his MLW run. Um, but yeah, they've done a fantastic job of, of building these two up. And they're, I mean, Sammy Guevara might be, I mean, he might be one of the best uh sellers you know in the ring he's just been taking hits like nobody's business including uh, another good one tonight mm-hmm. so who do you um, got winning i i think this is uh hands down darby allen okay i'd agree i also think darby allen's gonna win and uh i like kyle's take there about uh these two being the breakout performers i think darby allen though like is a is above sammy for sure by in my estimation, quite a bit, actually. I think Darby Allen has been... You know, MJF is someone that people knew coming into the promotion because he had been involved on being the elite and stuff. I think I think Darby Allen, you had to be a little more hardcore wrestling fan to know much about him prior to AEW. I think he's really opened some eyes. Another thing I've noticed about Darby Allen is that the AEW... And we talked about this with Hangman in a negative way. But overall, I think the entrance music in AEW is pretty good. Uh, and I think that Darby Allen theme song, like the fans know it from the first night. Yes. When that hit tonight at the end when he came out, like that crowd went nuts. He is getting a huge babyface response. That's credit to a guy named Mikey Ruckus who was involved in the uh, music production for AEW. Wanted to give him a shout out. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, yes, he's got a great theme. I think Dustin Rhodes has a great theme. And then these two aren't really on the AEW production because it's Fozzie and another band whose name escapes me. But I think the two best theme songs in all of pro wrestling right now are Jericho's theme and Cody Rhodes' theme. But that Darby Allen theme, I just I noted that right off the bat in that main event segment tonight is how like just from like one or two notes the crowd rose to their feet. I think I think entrance music in WWE has been an issue lately uh but AEW got some great entrance themes and uh darby allen's hitting out of the park with that he's hitting out of the park with his ring work he's connecting with the crowd gotta go darby allen here yeah i I love the theme song too what do you guys think about the ceiling on darby could he conceivably if built correct assuming he was built well main event a pay-per-view for this company like being a war Okay, like be the world title, be a babyface title challenger to Jericho, for instance. Absolutely. Anything's possible in the world of wrestling. <laughs> I think so, because so much of wrestling is just having like a unique look. This guy has such a unique look. The face paint and everything. I think so. I think anyone, I think he has that look that can draw in casual, like people just out of curiosity when they see him. You know, like if a commercial airs, for a pay-per-view show or something and they see that guy flash across the screen they're gonna take a second look you know like who is that guy so i think so i think he's got something for him you know what was one of our big criticisms of nxt last week everyone kind of wrestles the same yes darby allen feels different than the other people in the promotion that is huge that is something i really gravitate towards in 2020 kyle there's one thing about darby allen like when you said this i knew darby allen was a star 
Who is it that your daughter is imitating of late, doing the cough and drop on the couch? It's Darby Allen. Yes, <laughs> that is true. Yes, she, I don't think she knew she was doing the cough and drop. I just looked over. I was like, my God, is this? do I need to step in here? Why are you doing back jumps off the coffee table onto the couch? Is this bad? When you sent that text, that my daughter's doing cough and drops. I'm like, there it is. It's Darby Allen. He's the guy to go yeah. to. Uh, all right, so I just mentioned him in his theme song. Another, another good one, Dustin Rhodes, taking on our boy, your boy, Kyle, Jake. Oh, Hagar. Now, talk about, like about great Rhodes. political takes here. Uh, Dustin's current theme song is not as good as The Call in the Natural. Well, this is now a guy who's had some great themes theme for his entire career. The Goldust theme song was great. But uh, I agree. The Natural, that is a good, that's a good song. So, Kyle, you had, you had a question that you wanted to pose about this match. Well, I'm more of a commentary. I just wanted to get you guys thinking with the question mark here in our show notes. But... Um, bodyguards or problem solvers or whatever term you want to use for the role Jake Hager is in right now for the inner circle. Um, We saw this with Wardlow and I was totally okay with it because Cody is the top baby face in the promotion, maybe the top baby face in professional wrestling right now. Um, I didn't mind him losing that steel cage match last week, but too often bodyguards who are supposed to be this like, you know, unstoppable muscle behind the group are used as kind of stepping stones to whomever's body they are guarding for lack of better language. And I get it in a case like Wardlow because it was, you know, part of a larger storyline. Cody needed to win that match to get the match with MJF. So I'm totally fine with that, but bodyguards shouldn't lose matches as often as they do. I feel in modern wrestling. So for that, I'm actually going to pick Jake Hager, Dustin Rhodes. Love how it's become apparent to a lot of people that this is one of the most underrated performers in the history of pro wrestling, but um, he doesn't need to win here. So I'm going to go with Jake Hager. I think you want to keep his aura uh, alive. I don't think he should lose this. Mm -hmm. Justin, what do you think of the booking of the bodyguards in your pick? Uh, I mean, I can't really think of a whole lot of them. I mean, like, Mr. Hughes, uh, Virgil, uh, <laughs> Diesel, I guess. Yeah. Uh, he, he was booked pretty strong as a bodyguard. I think Diesel is is like, that's what that's the blueprint. That's what you want to go by for me. Yeah, well, remember, initially he wasn't, though. I mean, eventually when they kind of figured out, they're like, all right, we're going to push this guy. He was. But, I mean, he was close to the, you know, he was on the John Cena close to the chopping block until they got over in the 94 Rumble. I guess I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, modern era, like Tyson Tomko's, mm-hmm. those guys, where it's like, you know, you put him in a tag match and he loses, not Christian. And yeah. it kind of, you know, the bodyguard is supposed to be, oh, my God, you, you don't want to, you know, F with this guy. But they yeah, because like, if you don't protect them, they're not a bot. Like, <laughs> they have no yes, aura about them. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. Yes. So, yeah. Well, and obvi- obviously, Jake Hager has a lot more going for him than guys like, Tyson Tomko, he's got the, uh, you know, the history in uh, WWE as a world champion and, uh, you know, all the MMA success he's had. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. And and his Twitter takes as well. Cool. Legitimately get people to hate him. So, hey, more power to him. Uh, yeah, I, I also, I got to go with Hager, though. I think uh, Dustin doesn't need the win, like you said, Kyle, and uh, you got to protect him a little bit here. 
We can count on Jim Ross giving an inspired call for this match. I don't think he'll be shitting on anything here. Loves both guys. Yes. Long history with both guys. So uh, this brings us to that tag title match, okay? So we got Paige and Omega defending against the Bucks. We got the friend. All four of them are friends with kind of Paige on the outs, I guess, frustrated with the other three guys. Um, we talked about this a lot quite a, quite a, uh, just a little bit ago. Who do we think's winning? Who should win? And uh, Kyle, your questions for us on this. Let's go to you, Kyle. Okay, so what AEW first began as a promotion, I think one of the, not the largest, but one of the kind of sub-selling points of the promotion is they were going to take tag team wrestling seriously. They were going to make tag team wrestling a big deal. It was kind of a pot shot at the WWE who, you know, has, you know, multiple tag team champions in their often throwaways on the card, you know, struggle, you know, you always get one of them like on the pre-show, um, not only just for WrestleMania, but for any show, basically any, any pay-per-view they do. So, um, this feels to me like the first quote unquote, big tag title match for AEW. I think with the benefit of hindsight, I'm kind of with Meltzer that the booking of this division was a little messy at first. The Bucks losing to private party, I thought was awesome in the moment, but it really didn't mean anything. And I don't know if SCU is the right call to be the first champions, but whatever. That's all water under the bridge. This feels very much like a big deal. They have got a great storyline like you both have laid out uh, so far. And as far as that storyline goes, we need to talk about what to do with this Adam Page character. Because I think we would all agree that when they started this angle, it was clearly designed for him to like turn heel on Kenny Omega, right? I think that was kind of everybody's response. Oh, well, they're going to, you know, Paige hadn't really gotten over at first mm-hmm. as a baby face when he was in that situation, you know, challenging or uh, working Jericho to determine the first champion of the promotion. Oh, okay, so they're going to turn him heel. But a funny thing has happened along the way, hasn't it? The crowd has definitely taken to him. Yes. Yeah, and you know my two buddies, uh, two of my the three guys I went to uh, dynamite with here in Cleveland, they are not like you know guys who go online and, and look at rumors and they don't watch being the elite. Um, they thought Paige doing the hold my beer followed by the buckshot lariat was like the coolest thing on the show, <laughs> and so it's really I'm not saying that they shouldn't turn him heel, but. I am very interested to see where they go with the storyline. Um, when you look at the segment tonight, it's very, you know, they kind of doubled down with him as the, you know, bad apple right now of the group. He's the disgruntled member of the elite. Um, so it makes sense. And he has reason. It's a logical story to be told. Um, I don't know if the Bucks should lose here. I'm having a really hard time picking a winner because it's going to be a storyline finish. Yeah. You know, and there's go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, for one, in that interview on on the show, the Bucks kind of came off as arrogant pricks. Well, which I thought was (laughs) interesting. Yeah, I thought was interesting. (laughs) Yeah. In, In in my hesitation for picking the Bucks in this match is 
do they get, you know, a big pop if they win? Because, you know, I, I think the crowd obviously loves Kenny and uh, they're definitely partial to to hangman um that, that's the only thing holding me back from seeing the bucks winning this is i just i don't i think i don't think the crowd reaction will be there should hangman cheat to win is that the finish for the story if they're still telling the story where hangman eventually is going to go heel um is that the right finish to do yeah i think if you're going to keep the belts on him it is for sure I think that would be a great call. I think, man, it, this is really hard to pick because I was leaning towards the Bucks, and then Justin got me to rethink that there. Yeah, that, that was a really good point because once the Bucks get the belts, you think they're probably getting a long run with it, right? Yeah. Um, and they're going to really build the division around them. But I th- could, this I could is see- a hard. I could see the Bucks winning and then Page and Omega like getting into a fight about how they lost and then then the Page Omega feud happening. So, I mean, it's Yeah. Yeah, it, this is a really tough call. But I I also feel like it's a pay-per-view and they're going to want to switch a title and this is the most likely to switch in my opinion. Uh That's true, but but hey, you know, if you want to make titles mean something, it doesn't mean you have to change one in every pay-per-view. Yeah, That's a, no. I know, absolutely. Trope. Absolutely, mm-hmm. but they only have four pay-per-views a year too, so they want it to be a big mm-hmm. deal. Oh man, this yeah, this is really a, a tough one. And to your point, Kyle, about this being the first big tag title, I think for sure for the AEW tag team titles. Now, obviously, when they were working in AAA, we had the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks had a couple good big matches. But yeah, since they started the AEW tag team titles, yeah, this is this is the premier match that they've had. Um, one other caveat I thought of is like, you know, the whole Christopher Daniels misdirection type of deal is um, there's the dissension with Hangman and, and we have Omega just wrestling a 30 minute Iron Man, you know, match this week, which makes you think something's going to happen, you know, with one of those two things to make them lose the titles. Right. Yeah, I think I'm going to pick the Bucks, but I wouldn't be surprised either way. This is this is truly a toss up, in my opinion. Hopefully they just tell a good story. Give yeah. me a good story. Grab a hold and tell that. a story. Yeah. <laughs> Grab a hold and tell a story. That's what I want to see. No need to do a spot fest here. Grab a hold and tell a story. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Your picks, guys. Got to put it out there. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm going Page and Omega. Same. Just because right. I'm rooting for Hangman Page. Imagine me wanting to cheer someone who like gets mad at like their buddy drinking a beer. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. I'm going a kayfabe Kyle pick on this one. Like that little backstage skit they did, where the Bucks were like, "Oh, I guess we know what your problem is," and they looked at him drinking. Imagine thinking that's going to get me to like you. <laughs> that's true. That is very. <laughs> that's true. Bad. That was bad. Not drinking. <laughs> Clearly, they're not listening to this podcast. No. Uh, all right, two matches. We're getting to the cream of the crop here. Cody and MJF. So oh, yes. this has been built up tremendously with the whole segment with the whipping of the bells. We had the cage match with Cody and Wardlow last week, which was, um, again, a trend. Not as good as the tag team match that week, but uh really damn good match. I mean, the second hour of last week's Dynamite was just, oh, oh my God. It was tremendous. Great, great television. And yes. Cody definitely stole the show, though. 
you know, with the moonsault off the top of the cage. For me, when it comes down to it here, I see this feud continuing, and if you're going to have the feud continue, you got to have the heel go over. So I am picking MJF, but I'm really looking forward to this match and uh, being there live for it. Let me throw it to Justin first this time. Your pick, Mr. Joint. Um, you know, kind of like with the tag team match, for me, the winner is irrelevant. I just want to see what they do to keep this thing going or to see where this story goes, which, uh, boy, that's such a breath of fresh air compared to a lot of the stuff. You know, when you get to a paper, a WWE pay-per-view where it's all meaningless. Um, having said that, I, I agree with Ryan. I think uh, the traditionalist in me says that uh, MJF has got to win this to keep it going. All right, Ross. I'm looking every bit as forward to this as I am the tag match. Interesting. Neither of these guys appeared live in front of the crowd tonight. Yeah, yeah. They just did a video package, and that's okay. You know, they were the focus of the show, obviously, the previous two weeks with those two angles or the match and the angle you spoke of, Ryan. Uh, just been great stuff. And I will make it three for three on the concept of it is less about who wins here and more about how they keep the heat going in the feud because this feud clearly has legs um, as opposed to some of Cody's previous pay-per-view offerings like that Sean Spears deal where clearly that was just something that was one and done. There was, there was, there was not enough heat there to keep that going. This there is. So the very logical thing, as you guys pointed out is if you want to keep the heat going, the heel wins, but there are ways um, if you've got a real um, hot post-match idea that Cody can win here in a non-decisive fashion. I, I go back to this Tuesday in Texas. Randy Savage, Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts, hottest heel in the business at that time. He lost clean in that match to the elbow drop. Nobody remembers that. Why? The 3D DDs on Savage and the slap of Elizabeth. I'm not advocating this, but if you picked up on the commentary during that cage match from Jim Ross last week, there was a face-to-face with MJF and Brandy, and he's, and you know, this was not one of those deals where JR came off like he wasn't paying attention for the last five minutes and he was overcompensating. He was like, oh, MJF wouldn't hit Brandy, would he? He could, he wouldn't dare do something like that. They teased it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is there going to be some heavy heat segment? And if there is a a heavy heat segment after this, you can have Cody win with like a a small package or something like that. And then MJF gets his heat back. Um, If you don't have a heavy heat thing, then yeah, MJF's got to win. So, I mean, in the end, MJF is going to, you know, is going to up the heat in this feud, whether he wins or he does something post-match. Yeah. Sounds like you just talked yourself into uh, picking Cody. No, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's less about who wins. I actually think it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, but in a good way, you know, kind of building off what Justin said that sometimes, you know, these WWE pay-per-views, it's like, ah, well, who gives a rat's ass you know it's just like well they just kind of threw this together and maybe hopefully they just turn it a good match or something like that the old takeover booking strategy of the last 18 months but this is to me just all about 
how they take this feud up a notch, which if they do is really impressive because it's been incredibly well done. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you still want me to make pick a winner, don't you? You got to pick. Yes. Pick a winner, coward. <laughs> um, I'll pick MJF just because it's logical. All right. Three for three. But a, yeah. <laughs> you want you still wanted to change it, but but he might. Uh, well, because I mean I don't know I I, I you know I don't have tough, the yeah. I'm not in the booking I'm not in the booking committee. You know what I'm saying? They easily could do a fin a non conclusive pinfall and then MJF you know gets his heat back. Yeah, it, it's tough. There's a lot of I mean that's what makes a good pay per view though when it's yeah. when it's tough to pick these matches. There's a lot more intrigue. We'll yeah. be having fun. What if he it. What if he throws a fireball in Brandy's face and <laughs> tells the fans he did it all for them? Oh, <laughs> oh! That would turn me on. <laughs> I'll be I'll be in Chicago. I'll be I'll be watching my phone for the text message to come through, Kyle. Hey, I know our good buddy Derek Chappelle loves a good fireball. <laughs> yes, not talking about the shot either. <laughs> oh, Derek, got to get him back on the show too. All right, main event time. Now, this one, my thinking has changed quite a bit on in recent weeks, I would say. Because going into the show, I think if you asked me a couple weeks ago, I would have picked Moxley in this one. But where I'm at right now, I just don't think he can take the title off of Chris Jericho. Um, I was looking at the Fozzie tour dates. I was trying to figure out like any clues I could. Oh, here we go. Fozzie's going on tour, but not till April. And uh, I'm pretty sure he can work around it either way. But, you know, I was just looking. I was just thinking, you know, is he going to be overseas for an extended amount of time or anything? But I just I don't think he can take it off of Jericho. Jericho just feels like a great champion still. You know, he had he has this uh, for lack of a better term, he has this aura about him as champion right now. He's got the entrance with the fans singing along. He's a he's clearly like the biggest deal on the show right now. Uh, so I don't know how you can take take the title off of him. I kind of feel like when he won the title initially, we all felt like it made the most sense. You know, we talked about it on the show. Last year, you can go back in the archives about how when you look at the lineage of AEW, you know, when him and Paige wrestled, you can always say Chris Jericho was the first champion. Here's a guy who held titles in every promotion. But since that time, I just feel like the Chris Jericho character in AEW has improved every month. You know, if we weren't that excited about him being the champion last August, I'm a lot more excited about it right now. And with John Moxley who came in with a ton of fanfare. I'm not saying he's not popular now, because he, he is. You can hear the crowd response. But I don't feel like he's gotten more popular since he came to the promotion. So if you look at the two and the different arcs that their characters are on, I feel like Jericho is still like going uphill, and Moxley is just kind of like where he's been the whole time. So I just I just don't see it. I, I'm If I'm booking this, I would keep the title on Chris Jericho. And uh, whoever wants to step in first, go right ahead. So for I, I agree with everything you said. Um, I also think, you know, it's dumb, but he's got the whole late champion thing that's going. Uh, I think if you take the title off of him, the inner circle uh, loses a lot of juice that I don't think they could get back. Yeah. Um, but more than anything, my the one thing I cannot look past or get over is I find it hard to believe that the alternative uh, to WWE 
that AEW is are, are going to have their first two world champions be the longtime established WWE guys. I just I, I don't see it just doesn't make sense for how they've you know touted themselves uh, for them to go in that direction. Um, you know, even if that makes sense character wise and and John Moxley's popular, I mean, to me, I, I see this match and it still looks like that extreme rules <laughs> steel cage plant match. Like I just can't see past it. It just doesn't work for me like it does a lot of other people. So I think this is a, a total lock for me. I have the most confidence in this pick than any other one. It's going to be Chris Jericho. All right. Kyle. It's not uh, shove that asylum match from Extreme Rules 2016 too far to the side, shall we? Some say that uh, may be brought up later on this telecast. Oh, the deep um, Okay. Yes. Okay. So a lot to talk about here. Number one, Ryan. Your soliloquy about Chris Jericho as the champion, spot on. He was clearly the right choice for this role. Justin, what you said, well, if he loses, it begs the question, well, what do you do with him then? Um, short of him losing and then winning the title back, I don't have the answer to that question. So that makes me think Jericho's retaining here, and I actually do think it's the right call to have Jericho retain. Um, he's got a lot of steam. He's very good in this role. So the next question is, how do you protect John Moxley? Because Chris Jericho should not win this match clean, for God's sake. Is there some sort of interference? I mean, th- this is key. And WWE has lost sight of this you know, years ago. And it just astounds me. If a babyface who is over and is going to be sticking around is going to be placed into a championship situation and is not going to succeed. Ultimately, you have to find a way um, to successfully divert that baby face's attention storyline wise. So what is that diversion going to be for John Moxley? Unless if this is going to be a multi-pay-per-view program. That, 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 to me, is the $10,000 question here. Um, I, I, and I don't know the answer. And the other question is, well, if Moxley doesn't win here, well, who is the next babyface challenger for Chris Jericho? Um, is it a Darby Allen? You know, I know a lot of people are expecting Brody Lee, the artist formerly known as Luke Harper, to show up very soon. Where does he figure into the pecking order? Um, again, that's... A, for, a guy, a former WWE guy. And I, and I do want to say this. To me, there is an absence. Maybe this is a little different than how Justin sees this. There is an absence of quote-unquote WWE stink on this one. I don't feel that when I'm watching Jericho and Moxley and this feud develop. I don't feel that this is um, this kind of, oh, well, let's just have the two WWE guys you know, do a retread on a feud. It still feels fresh, even though the feud in WWE was quite horrible in 2016. And, you know, we talked, I think, back to Cody and Dustin, our preview of that match at Double or Nothing. We, I said, this is a chance for these two guys 
to send a message to WWE. You know, they tried doing a program in WWE and it sucked. And then we saw what those two did at Double or Nothing. It was magic. These two can do the same thing. Now, do I think these two this match is going to be as good as Cody and Dustin? No, I don't. But again, this is another chance in a broad sense for performers in AEW who have been in WWE to send a message to people who are in WWE. Hey, you did something in WWE, it sucked. You can come here, it can be better. And somewhere in the back, Sean Spears sheds a single tear. <laughs> yes, and Jay, yes, and yeah, yeah, again, you know, not, not for everybody. It's not going to work for everybody, but it shows that you can do it. Um, so I don't know. For me, I, I wonder what they're going to do because um, John Moxley's obviously always going to be at the top of the card. You know, what do they do with him to keep him relevant if he's not winning the title? And I, I do not have the answer to that question. Me either, because, yeah, if, if you could feud him with someone from the inner circle, but that's going to keep him in the title program, too, which maybe that is what they want to do. What? Maybe is it distract Hager? him for a while. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, I mean, if he wins, I mean, you know, I you know, I love Sammy. I, I just don't think that's the answer. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe it's Hager. I don't know. Yeah, to your question about who would be the next champion, I think, God, if you're listening to the crowd, Darby Allen ranks up there. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. Kenny Omega is, is out there as someone that eventually is going to have the gold, mm-hmm. too. But uh, Darby Allen, I think babyface wise, Darby Allen is the hottest character right now okay. to the crowd. Well, but also- I, I'm not sure that I see him as the world champion yet. But yeah, go ahead. Well, Cody, to me, is the face of this promotion mm-hmm. and does eventually need to be the world champion. Yes. Now they have done a storyline. If you recall back at full gear, where if he did not win the title, he was not getting another title shot mm-hmm. and a, you know, the brain trust of this promotion said they're sticking to it, but you know, I'm sure there are ways around that to me. Cody, it, it, you know, when you talk about a long-term babyface champion for this promotion, the answer is Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I th- I just think his his feud with MJF is going to go on a while longer. So I, I yeah, wouldn't exactly. think probably not even till late summer fall. You know that Cody's going to get into that title picture, but we could. Yeah. Who knows? So yeah, I don't know. We shall see, but it, it's a good question. I mean, the fact that we don't know, again, that's what makes us good. <laughs> you know, when wrestling's too predictable, it's just not fun to watch. So uh, this is why there's so much intrigue with this company right now. So I am really looking forward to the pay-per-view, to attending the pay-per-view, uh, to talking to you guys about it as it's going on. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to think of some good questions to ask at the press scrum afterwards and get some answers. If, if you guys have... Uh, have any questions you want asked as the show's going on, text them to me. Uh, tweet them to us, at Top Rope Nation. I'll try to get your questions in uh, during the press scrum with whoever they send out there, which I, I assume will be Tony Khan first. And then uh, if Jericho retains, Jericho will probably be there, probably the winners of the uh, tag team title match and so on. So let us know. would love to hear from the listeners. And then, uh, of course, my two co-hosts here. Let me know in, in our text thread. So, uh, anything else on the show before we move into the deep dive? I don't think so. Really, just really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. 
All right. Well, with that said, Kyle, you alluded to this a second ago, but I think it is time for the Kyle Ross I Love This Sport Deep Dive of the Week. Take it away. Well, no secret here, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, the, and I don't think this is the first time I've done it. it. might be the second. I can't remember what the first one was, but this is uh, a match that is actually not good. <laughs> but you should watch it because uh, the performers are main eventing. This AEW Revolution pay-per-view, Chris Jericho uh, and the then Dean Ambrose at WWE or pardon, yeah, WWE Extreme Rules 2016 in Asylum match, um, which I thought was just absolutely atrocious. <laughs> but watch it, so you can contrast that with what we're about to yeah. see Saturday night. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I mean, you know, we talked about it again. So it, it, it's a fun – and, you know, if this match is good, you could be like, wow, I mean, what what night and day type situation. I love how Meltzer was like, I don't understand why everyone thought that match sucked. Remember, like, he was, like, all apoplectic about it. He was like, what do you mean? The match didn't suck. And everyone's like, dude, that was, like, the worst match of the year. <laughs> he was, like, getting mad about it. Oh, Dave. Oh, Uncle it's like, Dave. Look, it, it's like, look, Dave, I know Jericho's, you know, feeding you stuff, but Jesus, you don't have to be that blatant about protecting him. Come on. <laughs> Any uh, memories of this match, Justin? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I can't see it. I cannot say that I remember too much about it either. No, you did. I mean, Justin, it was the potted plant. Well, yeah, but as far as yeah, the work in the match goes. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, if you want to watch good wrestling after that's over, you know, watch those two Iron Man matches I mentioned now. That's going to require a time commitment, obviously. But, you know, again, if you want the best 30-minute Iron Man match I ever saw, Rude Steamboat, WCW Beach Blast 92. Best 60-minute Iron Man match I ever saw, Triple H Rock, Judgment Day 2000. There we go. Two great takes. Yeah, so if you're new to the show, we do this every week. Kyle throws out a, uh, a blast from the past that you can check out on the network or YouTube, depending on where it's available. We talk about it, and we take listener comments on it. So uh, if you watch this match this week, you want to let us know what you think, hit us with an email, topropenation at gmail.com. We'll read it next week. And sometimes we've got extended commentary on these deep dives. Sometimes it's just kind of a... This is the match. Let us know what you think. And so, this one, there's not a lot to talk about. It's just a, it's the contrast with what we're about to see on Saturday night. So, uh, yeah, the bar is low for this main event. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I think it'll exceed that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah if, if, if they don't exceed what they did at Extreme Rules 2016, oh boy. Yes, <laughs> they should. I, I'm, I'm fairly confident. Uh, that's that's my lock of the night. Will that is my lock they of the will. night, Justin? Yes. yes. Okay. All right, guys. Well, hey, any uh, closing comments before we hit the road here? Anything to get off your chest that we didn't hit on tonight? You know, Mark Gingrack apparently saw the news that Triple H wasn't going to work WrestleMania this year and is, you know, <laughs> just wasn't satisfied by that. Trying Good to work grief. An angle. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, so we talked about uh, the Ruthless Aggression series, pretty focused pretty much just on episode one last week's episode on our show last week um i really enjoyed the uh episode three on evolution as much as okay as much as that group you know kind of could make raw a slog during that time period um i thought the documentary was really good okay well that's and we said last week episode one was a lot of revisionist episode two was a little better are you saying this is the best one so far Yes, I think it was. And I liked episode two on Cena. 
Um, yeah. I, I kind of like how it's got the the last two episodes. Revenge jumping all over the place have kind of this singular focus to them. Um, and I really liked the honesty uh, in episode three. You know, honesty was an issue in that first uh, volume. But uh, both Brian Gewertz and Jim Cornette uh, both shitting on the idea of Randy Orton as a babyface in 2004. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, with that said, on that note, I think this has been episode 129 of Top Rope Nation. Like I said, hit us with an email, topropenation at gmail.com. You can find us on social media. We're on Twitter at Top Rope Nation, the same handle on Instagram. You can find us on The Book of Faces. That's Facebook.com. And you can find all of us over on Twitter as well. My personal handle is at Ryan Drosty, D-R-O-S-T-E, Justin Joint, J-O-Y-N-T, and at T-R-P Kyle. We'll be back with you next week. I'll be talking about my live uh, impressions from AEW Revolution this Saturday night. And we'll be talking probably a lot more WWE next week since we didn't hit much on them this week. And like I said, we've got some guests lined up in the coming month that I think you can all look forward to. So make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already done so. Shout out to the patrons of the show. That's Derek, Gabe, Jake, Kyle, Tim, Liam, Ryan, Sean, and Greg, thank you for your support. You can check out all the details for that over at patreon.com slash Nation. And lastly, once again, a huge shout out to our new friends at the Blue Wire Podcasting Network. Check out the entire uh, network of shows. Find some other shows you like. They've got a ton of great NBA podcasts, NFL podcasts, pop culture, wrestling, like I said, as well. So we're really looking forward to uh, working with them in the months and years ahead. So with that said, I'm Ryan Drosty here for Justin Joint and Kyle Ross, and we will check you guys out next week. Peace.